Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. services or connect with us on Facebook. Good morning. Matthew chapter 13, if you would open your Bibles there today, good to see you. And uh, thanks for joining us in this uh, series that we're continuing called Where You Belong. And uh, our desire is this, to discover and to take uh, the place that we belong, our place in time. That we are created on purpose, for a purpose, and uh, for such a time as this. That purpose operates within the window of time. And uh, there, there is, without a doubt, timing that can be everything. And the right timing is that moment for us to operate and to move. God has given us a timing that we are in this season of our lives. I don't know what season you're in. I don't know where you are. But how many know where you are is not by accident, but by God's design, that he's able to work in the midst of whatever situation that he can create and work for his good, for your glory, or for his glory and for your good, for the benefit of of, uh, his work in our lives. And uh, we've been looking at taking that place where we belong. And I want to look today in Matthew chapter 13 and just to address a mindset that would hinder us from moving forward in the place that we belong. Would you stand with me? And let's look at this text together. The end of Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 53. And uh, let me just tell you, this scripture bothers me. And I hope it bothers you as well. Um, Here's what it says in Matthew 13, verse 53. When Jesus had finished telling these stories and illustrations, he left that part of the country. He returned to Nazareth, his hometown. When he taught there in the synagogue, everyone was amazed and said, where does he get this wisdom and the power to do miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just the carpenter's son. We know Mary, his mother, and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. All his sisters live right here among us. Where did he learn all these things? And they were deeply offended and refused to believe him. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his own family. And so he did only a few miracles because of their unbelief. He did only a few when the potential was to experience so much more. That when there could have been more, I wonder today, are we where we belong? Are we walking in the fullness of what God has for us? Or could there be a mindset that hinders us sometimes? And I want to talk from this title today, The Fault with Familiarity. That sometimes we can be too familiar. And in our familiarity, lose the heart and the expectation of what God is able to do. Father, thank you for your goodness and for your word. I pray, God, that it would speak to our hearts. Lord, we know that it is it is sharp and, and lively and able to do the work. Now, God, I pray that our hearts would be open to receive that. We pray it in Jesus' name. And anyone in this room who doesn't plan to leave the same way you came, said amen. 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 If you plan to leave the same way you came, then just leave it at that. You may be seated. Tell someone beside you today, tell them, keep it new. Keep it new. Keep it new. Anything over time is always proven to show its true purpose. If we know the purpose of something and, and we hold tight to the purpose of it, when we know the purpose for which we do something, how many know that over time, the passion for that thing only grows? 
when we know the purpose of it, over time, the passion should grow. But if in the process, we get derailed or we lose sight of the purpose, then it becomes in a place that instead of it becoming a passion that burns, it becomes a weight that we carry. It becomes just a burden. It becomes an obligation. It becomes what we do. Where we belong is not just what we do in life. Yes, we've been saying it does matter where you live, what you study in school, what decisions you make, maybe what your major, what your career, all the, the decisions that we could make in life, those things matter. But what you do in life is nothing compared to making sure we know the author of life. We can sometimes operate backwards and be overwhelmed by the decisions that we need to make in life. Has anyone ever had decision fatigue? Decision fatigue is what do I do in this moment? That life has a lot of decisions. How do I handle this situation? I, I, I've heard people say, in fact, in counseling different times, uh, I've literally had individuals say to me, I'm just tired of making decisions. It feels like there's a lot of weight of, of things that have to be done and, and accounted for and people relying and depending on us. There's a lot of decisions to be made out here. And yes, we have to attend to that. But I would say to us today to not carry the weight of the decisions out here, but to know that the decisions that we have to make in life are not as crucial as just making sure that we're closely connected and tied to the author and the giver of life. If we know the one who created life, then how many know we can trust him with the decisions of our life? It takes the burden off of us. It really becomes his yoke that is easy and his burden that is light. That what I'm tied to is who Jesus Christ is. That I'm tied to the author and the giver of life, the one who created all things. The danger, though, is, is that familiarity sometimes. And, and what's it mean to become familiar? And, and when we become familiar with something, we overlook the significance of a certain thing in our life. That when we become too familiar, it, we take for granted. It just exists. It's just there. We, we overlook the significance of it. And I think sometimes even in our walk with Jesus, there, our, our relationship that we don't intend to take for granted, but just over time, instead of the purpose growing stronger, instead of us knowing the purpose and the passion getting stronger, somewhere along the line, it doesn't look the way we thought it should. It's not what we expected. And it becomes a little burdensome but that we would know that in him, that he is the author of life, and it's not carrying the weight of life, it's casting our cares upon him because he's the one who's carrying us. How familiar we get with something can really put us in a dangerous situation. Uh, in October of 2003, some of you may have heard the story of uh, uh, Siegfried and Roy who were uh, entertainers in Las Vegas and 17 years ago as they did what they had done for at that time a decade I believe they were doing uh, illusions and and things with with uh, uh, all that they had but the biggest part of their show were these tigers that they would train and they would operate with and they would get in cages with had close just interaction in fact they lived with them it was just a closeness with this animal unfortunately in that October uh, Friday night in October 
There was a moment that as Roy, who was the, one of the entertainers, was walking the tiger that they had done many times before, he was walking the tiger and preparing to do a display and something that would, that would awe the crowd, but instead of awing the crowd, the crowd became a part of a display and a show that was gruesome because the tiger turned and attacked Roy, took him by the neck, and there were some witnesses who said that they flung him around like a rag doll, and he literally was fighting for his life, all because he walked with something that became a little familiar. In fact, I went back and read as I'm, I'm thinking of sometimes we can get familiar with, with things around us. I went back and read just a, a, a report of what was it. And one report that was, that was said of, of what Roy had done is that he did something different in that moment, that as he was walking the tiger, that someone who was a handler and a trainer with them pointed out that he would always walk with the tiger. But this time he didn't walk with the tiger to move the tiger in position. He stood still and just used the leash to try and move the tiger. The tiger was not used to that pressure and wasn't used to that kind of movement. And because Roy wasn't walking with him to move him, he felt a threat. And as a result, what was not the proper thing to be done, he turns on him and attacks him. And and it becomes this moment that he was so familiar. I realized two things that I want to point out. Number one is be careful what we get too familiar with. Because I don't know about you, but standing side by side with a tiger, I don't care how trained you think it is. It doesn't seem like a wise thing to do. Definitely not to take for granted or to be be so familiar with it. But here's what I thought was interesting, that instead of walking with the tiger, he manipulated and moved the tiger. He stood in place and moved the tiger, tried to move the tiger in the position the tiger was supposed to be, but he did not walk with the tiger. And because he didn't, the tiger was at a place that came back and attacked. I wonder sometimes in life, and here's what I want to say to us, that we get so familiar and we take life by the reins and we try to make life manipulate and work according to where we are instead of us walking with the one who is the life giver and letting him us move us into the place that we need to be. How often is our life more familiar because we remain where we are? I'm 42 years old. You know what I'm learning? I know there's someone in the room like, you don't know anything yet. And then there are other people in the room like, you better sign up for AARP. You know, just <laughs> on both sides are covered. But what I'm learning at 42 is I reach stages in life and I'm like, I like it here. I don't want to change. I would rather just move things to where I am. Here's a case in point, and I did it. You know, Christmas, I love my family. I told my family, I said, if you want to see me on Christmas, you don't have to come to where I am. Some of you are like, I can't believe you would do that. I hit a stage, and I know you would say that's so selfish, and you probably only know that because you have your own selfishness. That we all have designed and hit a place where we like life a certain way. And we move it. And the danger is that when we get so familiar with our surroundings, and here's the difficulty. The, lay, the place in life is never to get familiar with your surrounding, but to get familiar with surrender. Never get familiar with your surroundings, but get familiar with surrender. Why? Because every season in life has something different. Life is always about moving from one stage to another. You realize that God is not stuck in the past. Jesus isn't stuck in your pain. 
Jesus isn't stuck in your failure, in your disappointment, in anything of the past. He is still in motion and moving forward and inviting us to be a part of what it is that he's doing. Inviting us to be a part of of what is taking place. But when we get so familiar with the surrounding and the setting, the situations that we're in, what I've learned is nothing ever stays the same. As much as I wish it would. As much as I wish you'd reach a place and it's like, this is good, let's hit cruise control. This is nice, let's just keep doing what we've been doing. But what I've learned is nothing new happens when we keep doing what we've been doing. You know that God said, behold, I do a new thing. Oftentimes I'm recognizing, God, I'm, I'm more content being an expert of the past than being a novice in the new. Because anytime you step into something new, how many know you walk in unfamiliar territory? The moment you step out in faith, and why is it that we get to a place in our faith and our passion can wane because what we call faith is really not faith. It's just a repetition of what we've done before. It's not really faith. It's now predictable. It's what we anticipate. It's what we know. We call it faith, but it's really just doing what we've always done. It's just walking where we've always gone. It's being where we've always been. It's being in the same environment we've always been in. Our surrounding remains the same. It's a dangerous thing to look at your life, or not a dangerous thing, but a recognizing thing to evaluate and say, in my surroundings, am I walking into new places, or am I just creating the same thing of where I've been? Are we experiencing the the, the new that God wants us to have in this familiarity that we get stuck? And here's how we get stuck. We get stuck because everything we expect to change around us while we remain where we've always been. If we're going to go where God, to be where we belong, to be at a place that God has for us, to be in the the area that God has designed for us, how many would say it probably means we're going to have to keep tweaking and changing and working and being moved by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives? How many would believe that it's continued work in process? We're constantly in this this process and moving forward. I I know that sometimes it it becomes this this desire for us to keep things in a way that it's been. and, And I have to ask myself, do I really want God to do something different in my life? Or do I just want him to display his power and a display of his power without him doing any different you can't have the display of God's power without anything different happening. This is the, the, the place that we find Jesus. He now leaves the country that he's in. The place that he would have been is Capernaum. He leaves that territory. Capernaum is where Jesus performed the majority of his miracles. He has now just left Capernaum, the area. In fact, th- this place where the woman with the issue of blood, Jairus' daughter, that the, the, uh, of course, when Jesus calmed the storm with the disciples, a lot of the miracles that Jesus did was in Capernaum. Notice what it says here, that when Jesus left Capernaum, or he left that country, as he was traveling, he finishes telling the illustrations and the stories. And part of that is intertwined with miracles that he does, but he's also talking, and part of his parables and teachings is what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is like this. If you, if you want to know the kingdom of God, then you, it's like the, the person who finds a, the pearl, and he sells everything he has. He talks about the kingdom of God and what the kingdom of God is. How many want to see the kingdom of God come in our lives and in our world and in our surroundings? 
the only way it happens is not when we just meet Jesus in Capernaum, but there's always sometimes a gap and a distance that we see the miracles in Capernaum, but then we always have to go back to our hometown. And how many know it's one thing to have an encounter and experience with God, and then it's another thing to go back to where you came from? To go back to where that dysfunction happened, to face the things that have been, to be in the surroundings. There are some things you can't change. You can't change your surroundings. You can't change all of the environments and the things that are around us. What I found out in these years is as much as I wish life would be perfect, guess what? It's not going to be. I have popped the bubble that has been in my world that if I get X, Y, Z and everything lined up, then I'll hit a paradise and I'll just hit a place where life will just be, ooh, ah. Quit it. I have literally come to a place of saying, God, I need to learn because I've been in Capernaum and I want the miracles to make all the things come in the right place. That's all good, but I still got to go back to my hometown and I still got to live in the place where not everything's the way I want it to be. And instead of looking for a familiar place where everything seems familiar as I like it, I have to not try and manipulate life the way I want it, but walk with the one who is life. And allow him to lead me to the place that might be unfamiliar. That sometimes you still have to go back home. I hope that God does a great work in your life. But guess what? You still got to go back to that job. You still got to stare to that person that offends you or bothers you. You still got to face and walk through. It's the grace of God in all of those things that we have to trust him in those places and in that moment. In order to do that, there has to be this willingness of changing. And we can sometimes get so comfortable in our familiarity, our ideas. And how many would admit that there are times when it doesn't go the way we think it should go? God, why did you do this to me? You know, God doesn't do things to us. He wants to do things in us. Life happens already. Life happens. God didn't cause sin. We invited sin. We listen to the serpent. But you know the goodness and the grace of God? That is even after we ate the fruit, he didn't give up on us. He still walked in our dysfunction and said, I'm here in the midst of your brokenness. I'm here in the midst of your brokenness. I'm here in the midst of where you are. And it's not God turning his back on us. You know how we know it's not Jesus turning his back on us? Because he hung on a cross where his father had to turn his back on him. He was willing to be separated, knowing it was only for a while. Why? Because it was a surrender. Now, here's the good news. Let me give you the bad news first. You and I will walk through life suffering. We're going to go through moments. But here's the good news. We don't have to die like he did. We will still die, but we will rise and live because of what he's made possible. This temporary thing, don't forget what you're walking through is temporary. I love, you You love what you have, but let's be real. It's only for a little while. 
even if you're in a season that you love life, your marriage is great, your kids honor you, your kids are blessing you, your job is fulfilling you, everything is good. And God desires those things for us. But my life is not where it belongs because my surroundings are perfect. My life is where it belongs because I'm holding the hand of the one who is the life giver, the one who sustains, the one who creates, the one who can speak to dirt and say live again, the one who can speak to the heavens and say let manna fall on a desert and a dry place, a one who can say in the midst of barrenness, let waters come forth in a place of desert to make living water. We are with the one who is the creator, the giver, the sustainer, the one who was, who is, and is to come. Where you belong is not in your paradise of your surrounding, but in the presence of your Savior who holds you and keeps you. I want to pursue the dreams. I want to pursue the American dreams. It's okay. But don't live for the house with a picket fence. Don't live for everything being in just the right place. Don't think someone's arrived at a thing that they've got what you wish you had, and now God has better favor and more things on them. Sometimes God trusts people with difficulties because he's using and allowing a work to be done that can bring him glory. Why was this man born blind? What, whose parents sinned? Well, who was it? Jesus said, nobody sinned. It was so that Jesus might be glorified. It was that Jesus might be glorified in, in this place, in this, this situation. I, I want you to see today that there is the willingness to walk in the unfamiliar places, that we're not going to get where we belong if there's not a willingness to walk in difficult places. Amen. To walk in the unfamiliar, to do the difficult, And when we do, to not wish for life to be the right way we want it, but to know that we have life. Though he slay me, yet will I praise him. Even though, even though, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, my God is able to deliver us from this fire, but even if he doesn't. Because my life is not in my surroundings. My life is in surrendering to the one who is the giver of life. That when we know and being careful that we're not trying to find the life that's so familiar. And even that familiar is in our mind. Can I just say this to you today? Not everything in your mind is correct. Not everything you think is what it really is meant to be or going to be. Some of us have lived long enough and we thought, when I get to this place, things will get easier. We got to that place. Whoops. One thing may have gotten easier, but it opened up the door to something else. When I don't have to pay rent anymore, I get my own house and my own roof and my own septic system and my own plumbing and my own, oh, yeah, you get it all. Yeah. When, when I make it, when I get there, you are where you belong in that relationship with Jesus. Knowing life, and what I want you to hear today, don't try to manipulate life to the familiarity of your world of what you want. But hold on to the one who gives life and walk with him in the place that he's preparing 
what he's making possible. There's a, a willingness to, to, to allow ourselves to be different and, there, and a willingness. And I, I pray that there's a willingness to learn. Look, it, it says here that Jesus taught in the synagogue and everyone was amazed. Jesus would have done, go back to Mark 6, the beginning of Mark in different places when he's in Capernaum. Jesus does the same thing in Capernaum where he does miracles. He goes into the synagogue. What's, how's he always start? He goes into the synagogue on the Sabbath day to teach. And as he's sitting down with people, he's teaching them. Guess what these people in Nazareth, the same thing. Jesus taught them in Capernaum, did miracles, great things happened. He comes to his hometown, and now in his hometown, he's teaching in his hometown. And the people who are sitting there are no longer at a place of hearing. They're amazed. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand. They're amazed. They're astonished. But amazement doesn't mean salvation. If you got the ooh and the ah and the, and, the, and the goosebumps and the woo, that's not salvation. That's called an emotional response. It goes with, it can be a byproduct, but it is not salvation. And the same that if we live for those moments, and so they're amazed, they're astonished. But here's the problem with being astonished. Let's see if I can make sense of this now. Because now they're astonished that, this man does miracles, but they're not willing to learn. Let me ask you today, that number one, are you willing to change? Number two, are you willing to learn? Jesus is teaching in the synagogue. Don't ever get too old to learn. You don't know it all. I figured this out. I hit my 40s two years ago. Here's what I figured out. In my 20s, I knew everything. In my 30s, I thought, or in my 30s, I realized what I didn't know. And in my 40s, I was frustrated with myself because I didn't arrive at things I thought I'd be at by now. And that's if you don't handle them right. That's called a midlife crisis. Some are like, wait, do we need to talk to him? Does he need help? Does he need therapy? What does he, what does he need? No, all the older people in the room just know, come on, how many know that's the truth? You're always in a stage of learning because what you think you know, you have to relearn. You're always learning. You're, you're always at a stage and a place in this desire that we would always be learning. Do you have a willingness to learn? Because this openness is what's going to affect us being able to go in the place that we belong. But instead of them learning, they rejected. You know why they rejected? We know his mama. It's too familiar. Too familiar. We know his mom. We know his brothers. And this is the only place recognized, the only place that says we know his sisters. I mean, they're getting real. They're saying we have every reason why we know this isn't true. They become a critic. God help us when we reach the place in our faith that instead of being a new learner, we just become a critic of the old things. Well, you know how we used to do it. You know what it really ought to be done. You know what it ought to be. That, that, that we become a critic of what's been, and anybody can critic what's been done in the past or critique what's been done in the past. It takes people of faith to step into a place you've never been before. It takes a pioneer takes one who's willing to say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to walk in spite of what is spoken, in spite of what seems possible. I'm going to walk and not manipulate life to the way I think it should be or want it to be, but I'm going to hold on to the one who's the life giver and say, Lord, where you lead me, I'll follow. My sheep hear my voice. And here's a key thing. And they follow me because they heard his voice they heard him in the tap in the temple in the synagogue they heard his voice 
Yeah, but that's Mary's boy. We know him so. We even know his sisters. And this familiarity caused them, instead of connecting to what could be the future, they were just stuck in the past. God help us if most of our faith is connected to our past than it is into our future. Let me close with this. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 11. I want to I close with, with this point today and being careful of things being so familiar. Jesus is speaking of John the Baptist and Jesus says this to the disciples that are gathered. John is in prison, by the way. And John says, are you the one or should we look for someone else because it's not happening the way I expected. Jesus, of course, says, go tell John, lame are walking, blind see, hope is, is at work in people's lives. And, and then John's disciples leave, and Jesus says this about John. In verse 7, the end of verse 7, what kind of man, when he's talking to them, what kind of man did you go out into the wilderness to see? Remember, John the Baptist was in the wilderness preaching. He said, when you went out, what kind of man did you go out there to see? Was he a weak reed swayed by every breath of wind? Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? No, people with expensive clothes live in, a pa- live in palaces. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes, you were, and he is more than a prophet. John is the man to whom the scriptures refer when they say, Listen, look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare. Somebody say prepare. He will prepare your way before you. He will prepare your way before you. How many know that if we're going to continue being where we belong, that we've got to not be just accustomed to the familiar, but we've got to be prepared for the unfamiliar. We've got to be prepared for what it is that God is leading us into. Why did you go out to hear John the Baptist? Here's what I hear him asking. Jesus is saying, you went out to hear this man. What attracted you? Something attracted you. And you were attracted to the strong message. You were attracted to what he spoke. Something attracted you. And you went out. Was it because it was a reed swayed by the wind? No. He was on point. He didn't say anything but what God told him to say. Did you go because he had expensive clothes? Because he he looked good and and it had this, this whole vibe of this is a cool place to be? No, you would have gone to the palace to find that. Why did you go? Because you wanted the word of truth. And so you went where the word of truth was spoken. Now listen, hear me. And then we get familiar with our version of the truth. And then whenever truth comes again, we're like, "Ah, I don't want that one. Ah, I just want the familiar one. I want the one that says it's okay to do what I, that Jesus just accepts me the way that I am. I I want, I'd like to take, I'd like to take Jesus number one, hold the pickles, light ice. I, I want I want the one that, that, that just fits and customizes. No, it, it's the one who says, no, when you follow me, walk with me. Because even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, fear no evil. I am with you. My rod and my staff, they comfort you. I'm going before you. I'm preparing a table for you. I'm anointing your head with oil. Your cup is going to run over. Which, by the way, the word run over means the opposite of being amazed with offense. It means being amazed with anticipation. It's amazed not with offense, but with anticipation of I can't imagine what is yet to come because the giver and the author of life. What did you go out to see? Is your passion still as strong and burning for the presence of God? Or have you, eh, sing a song, 
This is a good part. I like that part. You want some money? I got some money. You want to do? And then we just keep going where we've been. But I want to say, God, help me walk where I've never been. And to do that, church, I don't have any other way to say this. And get ready to live uneasy for the rest of your life. I can't say, I wish I could say, and then after you do that, then you just hit cruise control, and then you just go the way. No, guess what? Culture changes, but the Word of God remains the same. But guess what? I might change what I do, but the Word is still going to be the same. And if I miss sight of the Word, then I get stuck. But I like it when we used to do this. And I like it when we have that. Trust me, I'm 42 years old. I like it too. No, kids, you're not getting married. Stay in my house. Stay where you are. Stay right where everything is nice the way it is. Leave it alone. How many know if I make that my plan? I've got no grandchildren. All the young people are like, big deal. All the people who have grandchildren are like, it's even better. because I've got to be willing to walk in the seasons of unfamiliar I'm unfamiliar with this that means you get to have faith never done this before I guess we get to trust God is there another option is there another option is there is there another option? No, let's stay where we've been. Let's do what we've done. Let's reach what we've reached. Let's use what we have. Let's be where we are. Oh. That's not faith. That's familiarity. That's what I know. That's what I can predict. That's what I can count the cost on. When I count the cost on the other stuff, the only thing I can count is not do I have what it takes, but am I willing to trust the one who has what I need? When Jesus said count the cost, he didn't say, well, see if it's worth it. No, he said count the cost to ask yourself, you won't have what it takes, but will you trust me, the one who will give you what it takes? But what we've done is the familiar. Okay. Yep, it makes sense to me. Let's do it. If it makes sense to you, I don't want to do that one. I want to do the one where God says, you're going to have to trust me to do this. You're going to have to believe me for something. You're going to have to step out where it's lonely. It's difficult. It's hard. You're going to have to walk with me with this one. Okay, God, here we go. Okay, if that's what you say, if that's what you want. I wonder if we're missing the walk of faith because we just want the familiarity. Just make this fit where I am. No, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to take a walk and I'm going to go where I've never been before because it's either faith or familiarity. And even when that level of faith becomes familiar, guess what? He's going to change it on you. He's going to move you on. He's going to take you to a new place. He's going to take you to a new area. How many are going into some new places this morning? How many are saying, God, I want to see your glory like I've never seen it before?